0: Welcome to the sermon podcast of Christ Church Medicine, a community coming home to Jesus and His Church. For more information about us, visit ChristChurchMedicine.com. so good to see you all again. If we've never met before, I'm Scott, and I'm the pastor at Christ Church. And, uh, we've been in a barn, we've been in a gym, and now we're back. It feels good to be back. Um, as much as... I wish we could kind of worship in a barn every single week, but maybe we'll plant a church in the barn one day. All right, a decade ago, there was a TED Talk video that made its way, particularly through the business and leadership world. I was working in corporate America then, and it made its way to me, called First Follower Leadership Lessons from the Dancing Guy. Has anybody ever seen that? All right, a couple people, Sarah's fist pumping in the back. Uh, It's essentially a random video of people dancing at the Sasquatch Music Festival in 2009, which I think we can all agree is a great name for a music festival. Um, In the video, uh, everything begins with this crazy guy uh, who gets up and starts dancing. He's got his shirt off. Uh, He's not a good dancer at all. He's just making a fool of himself. He's truly dancing like no one's watching in the middle of all these people at this music festival. And you can see everyone when he gets up and starts dancing kind of adjust to the weird guy. You know when that happens, you're in a group and somebody starts doing something weird and everybody else kind of looks at each other like this guy's crazy. They're all embarrassed for him because he's making a fool of himself and they keep their distance. But then another guy hops into the view of the camera and starts imitating and dancing with this crazy guy with his shirt off. He makes a fool of himself right alongside this other guy And the TED Talk is a guy extracting leadership lessons from this dancing phenomenon at this music festival. And so the speaker, the guy's name is Derek Cybers, he highlights the importance of the guy who jumps in with the first crazy guy and starts dancing as a first follower. Here's what he says, quote, the first follower is a crucial role because he publicly shows everyone how to follow. It takes guts to be a first follower. You stand out, you brave ridicule yourself. Being a first follower is an underappreciated form of leadership. The first follower transforms a lone nut into a leader. If the leader is the flint, the first follower is the spark that makes the fire." Unquote. So if at first people were looking at the dancing guy thinking this guy's crazy, which he kind of was, the first follower forces everyone to reconsider. Maybe this guy isn't crazy for dancing, maybe I'm crazy for being lame and sitting on the grass and not having as much fun as him. The first follower made it safe and plausible to join, to dive in. And then guess what happens? A third follower You can see it in like a minute, two, 10, 50, 40, and then literally hundreds, and the guy makes the point that at the end, you're ridiculed if you're not joining in. Everybody immediately dives into this thing and it is one massive, massive dance party. Here's how Derek Cybers finishes his commentary on the video, quote, the big lesson here, did you catch it? There is no movement without a first follower. We're told we all need to be leaders, but that would be really ineffective. The best way to make a movement, if you really care, is to courageously follow and show others how to follow. When you find a lone nut doing something great, have the guts to be the first person to stand up and join in, unquote. Isn't that great? If we were a super fancy church with videos, I would have just shown it, but I'll post it on Slack later, and if you're not on Slack, email me and I'll send you a link to it. It's a great video. Today's the feast of all saints. Amen? It's all saints when we celebrate the communion of saints, the koinonia of Christ, called from every tribe and tongue around the world and throughout history. And the simple truth that I want us to meditate on on this all saints feast is that the saints are first followers. The saints are those who have gotten up off the grass before us and started dancing. God knows that in this world, following him is really hard. It's not easy. He knows that we are constantly tempted to think that we are crazy for following Jesus. Have you guys ever thought that? It's okay, you don't have to answer that question out loud. All of us come to that point where we think, am I insane for doing this? Is this a hoax, as the psalmist says in Psalm 73, have I kept my hands clean in vain for nothing? Do you know so many people in the Bible expressly emoted that feeling? So many people in the scriptures, heroes of the faith, thought they were crazy at some point. Elijah, who I'll talk about in a little bit. David, you ever read David's poetry? Jeremiah, John the Baptist, second guest. Is this right? Jesus, are you really right? Because I'm having questions and doubts. God knows the immense pressure we all experience, both from within ourselves with our own temptations and doubts, and from outside of ourselves in the culture and world at large, to abandon the way of Christ and stay on the grass. Ours is not a world that welcomes courageous distinction in general, and it is not a world that welcomes always religious distinction, and the distinction of what it means to follow Christ. If mob mentality and peer pressure was strong around the dancing guy, oh my gosh, I don't wanna join this, he's crazy, then it is much stronger in our world, which is constantly at boiling point, and constantly sending you so many different opinions about what is good and true. And although this is certainly true of right now, it's hard to follow Jesus. The fact is, it's always been hard to follow Jesus in every era of history. Following Jesus has meant a radical distinction. It's taken courage to follow Jesus in all the fullness of what it means and not just whatever cultural moment is happening. Even in the height of European Christendom, when everything was quote unquote Christian, it was hard to be a radical follower of Jesus even in the Bible belt in the 20th century, to radically follow Jesus in the way he calls meant a lot of courage. And I can say that because I grew up there. So what do we need when we're tempted to think we're crazy? We need to see other people dancing, amen? Courageously, with full abandon. We need the ministry of first followers which is the ministry of the saints. By looking to the saints who have followed Jesus before us, we learn how to follow ourselves, and we are emboldened by their courage. They spur us on to get up off the the grass and to dance. I'm resisting saying dance like no one's watching and all these so many cheesy things I could say. I might say it in the rest of the sermon. I don't know. God knows we need this. And so he has God himself intentionally from the very beginning Graciously constructed our faith to flourish through imitation and through following those who follow before us. This is what God wants. This is what He's provided for you. What's really cool is that this is how the Jesus movement begins. Jesus shows up on the scene, and Jesus is our leader. He is God who put on flesh in our midst to show us the dance to show us what it truly means to love God, to love other people, to save us from our sins, to bring us home. But if you've ever read the Gospels before in the Bible, you'll know that then, as today, people struggle, struggled to figure Jesus out. You know how the dancing guy gets up and everybody's like, whoa, what do we do about this? That's what happens in the Gospels. When Jesus enters a room, immediately everybody has to adjust and figure out what they think about this guy. And particularly in the Gospel of John, which Charlie read from today, huge portions of John are just massive conversations between people arguing about, should we get up and dance or not? And then people saying, you're dancing, you're an idiot. And then people are like, you're an idiot for not dancing. And there's this massive debate. My favorite example of this is Nicodemus, who comes to Jesus in John three at night because he doesn't want anybody to see. And he's like, who are you? What are you teaching? Why aren't the Pharisees dancing? Should I dance? and Nicodemus is grappling with how to understand it. But while everyone is sitting on the grass, keeping their distance from Jesus and the divine dance of fullness of life, God himself plants a first follower right at the very beginning of the Jesus story. He calls someone uniquely to draw people to Jesus by dancing first. And who is that? John the Baptist when does John start dancing in the womb he starts going nuts as a fetus because he gets close to Jesus but he was called prophetically by God to have this ministry so if you're reading John you get the very beginning prologue which is in the beginning was the word and the word was with God this beautiful thing about Jesus but before any of the Jesus story starts you get John the next day he saw Jesus coming toward him and said Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who ranks before me. Because he was before me, I myself did not know him, but for this purpose I came baptizing with water, that he might be revealed in Israel. And John bore witness. Mm. God prophetically called and singled out John to be a first follower the voice crying out in the wilderness to prepare the way of the Lord. John started dancing before anybody else and people thought he was crazy. John was a little bit crazy. But his testimony prepared the way for Jesus. People followed his pointing finger to the Lamb of God. His dancing made Jesus increase. And Jesus called John the greatest man born of woman. And just as God raised up John to be a first follower, so Jesus would call people to follow him and he would teach them how to help other people follow. We see this in the disciples. Jesus calls them to follow him and then in Acts, they start calling others to follow them, to follow Jesus. We see this when Paul says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. And we see this perhaps most famously in our Hebrews passage this morning. Could you flip there with me in your bulletin? This is a really precious, precious part of Hebrews 11 and 12, which is rightfully famous. The book of Hebrews, if you know a little bit about the book of Hebrews in the Bible, was written to people who heard the gospel preached and they responded through repentance and belief. They were people in the Greco-Roman world who took great risk in getting up off the grass and starting to dance and to follow God. But what's clear from the book, and this is important that we don't miss this, is they began to suffer persecution and ridicule and great loss for that decision. And so at the time of the writing of the book of Hebrews, they were at a crisis point. The people who were reading this letter were. They were second guessing their decision of following Jesus. Are we crazy? Is this even real? Are we seeing fruit from what Jesus has promised us? Do we actually believe he's gonna keep his word about these things? These were genuine questions the Christians were having, and I don't judge them for a second for asking them. And Hebrews is one massive theological, rhetorical masterpiece of essentially saying, no, you should not abandon the way of Christ. Keep dancing, endure. And one of the ways that the writer encourages these downtrodden Christians to lift, is to lift their eyes to behold and remember the great cloud of witnesses, which is all the saints who followed before them and joined in the dance before them, even when it meant they looked crazy, even when it cost them their lives. And so in Hebrews 11, the writer takes the reader through the great hall of fame of saints, uh, which some of you maybe have read before. It reminds them of all the beautiful men and women of God who've gone before us, like Abel, Noah, Abraham, Sarah, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, Rahab. And then we get to our passage that we read today, and it's so beautiful, I would love to read it again. So would you turn there with me? This is the end of Hebrews 11 leading into Hebrews 12. And what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. The writer of Hebrews is saying to all these people who are exhausted and tired and second guessing what it means to follow Jesus, and he's saying think about all these people who have come before you. Think about the generations upon generations of faith. Consider the fruit of their faith, consider the testimony, consider the outcome of their lives. You are not crazy, you're not alone. And he takes all this and he applies it to a charge, which is the beginning of chapter 12. Go there with me now. All of the examples of the cloud of witnesses, all the examples of the people of faith, he brings together to say this, therefore, Since we are surrounded by so many first followers, so many courageous dancers, let us endure, keep going. Notice the point is not about looking at the saints. The saints are not the center of our attention. What do the saints do? They surround us to spur us on to look to who? Jesus, I love that. He goes through this huge thing and he says, because of all these people, you should should keep looking at Christ. Two simple takeaway points from all this. When it comes to following Jesus, number one, you need first followers in front of you. Number two, the world needs you to be a first follower. Number one, you need first followers in front of you. Number two, the world needs you to dance. (laughs) First, you need to be a first follower. As we've established all of us at one point or another in our journey of following Jesus will be tempted to believe that we're crazy. That we're following Jesus in vain, like the psalmist says. But that's a lie, brothers and sisters. It's not true. You're not crazy. You're not alone, amen? You're not alone, no matter what the internet says. Who is the internet, by the way? I hate when people say the internet thinks this or does this, I'm like what? Don't listen to the internet, stop it. Part of the way we get through these times of temptation and depression is by looking to the faithful in the land who courageously danced in times past or who are courageously dancing now. Think about the prophet Elijah. Elijah was fleeing from Jezebel who was a pretty bad queen who had sworn to kill him and Ahab who was a pretty bad king. And he was so distraught, Elijah was, at the state of Israel's apostasy and idolatry. He was so convinced that true religion was polluted and violated beyond recognition that he confessed to God he was gonna throw in the towel and he asked to die. So if you think the church is messed up in 2021 and all is lost, you have never lived under the reign of King Ahab and Queen Jezebel. You don't know how bad it can truly get. Elijah was in this situation and he, he was so crushed from the outside and from the inside of looking at what had happened, he had come to just, he gave it all up. He chucked it away. But God ministered, ministered to him, first of all, I love this, by telling him to eat some food and take a nap, uh, which for us is on, honestly most often what we really need. Have you eaten recently and do you just need to take a nap? Uh, but then he does that, and then God tells him after he takes a nap, You're not alone. There are 7,000 people who have not bowed the knee to Baal. So quit throwing yourself a pity party and thinking you're the only one doing this. You're not. Get up, Elijah, and get after it. I had a friend who was a professor and a decently critically acclaimed writer. And he went to Cambridge one time for this academic symposium where all the who's who in the world in his field showed up. And if you've ever been to Cambridge or Oxford, it looks like Hogwarts, it's better than Hogwarts. And everybody gets in these you know, fire lit halls and it's beautiful and uh, it's historic and everybody's just snobby and it's just whoa, it's like the top of the ivory tower. And he was there and he was at this symposium with all these people and it became clear that he was a follower of Jesus. And someone in the room um, basically said, laughed at him and was like, if you believe in religion in general, you're an idiot, and in Jesus in particular, you're an idiot. And everybody kind of had a laugh at his expense and just kind of left the criticism dangling and he felt crushed. And afterwards, he said he was reeling and walking around Cambridge uh, like Elijah. And he started asking, is that true about me? Am I an idiot? Am I crazy for following Jesus when so many people think I'm insane for following Jesus? But then he said he started to list those first following saints who had ministered to him and made him follow in the first place. He said he just started naming them. St. Augustine, St. Teresa of Avila, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, Amy Carmichael, Fyodor Dostoevsky, mom, grandma, and he thought, I'm okay being crazy if those people are crazy. Our psalm today says in verse six, I don't know if you caught it, I will look with favor on the faithful in the land that they may dwell with me. He who walks in the way that is blameless shall minister to me. It also says in verse 3, I will not set before my eyes anything that is worthless. I hate the work of those who fall away. It shall not cling to me. And that means, brothers and sisters, that you and I have a choice when it comes to what kind of people we look to. You actually have a role to play in that. We have a role in who we allow to minister to us and who we do not allow to minister to us. We're all tempted to look at celebrities, anyone who is viral or successful or good looking, who publishes the most books, scores the most touchdowns, has the most followers on social media, but in the kingdom of God, the first will be last and the last will be first. John the Baptist had very little social capital. He ate bugs and he lived in the woods. He was eventually beheaded and was of no political consequence to the person who beheaded him. He just fell under the meat grinder of the Roman Empire. But he was a hero, right? A legend. He decreased so that the Son of Man could increase. He pointed at Jesus when no one else was. Rahab was a Gentile prostitute She made it in the Hall of Fame of Faith, however, for the way that she courageously believed in God, begged for his salvation, and freely received it. You and I need first followers of Jesus in front of us. Who is that for you? Do you need to stop looking at some people that you've been looking at for cues? And do you need to look at other people? Maybe a cool thing to do today or this week is sit with your journal, like my friend did when he was walking around and he started naming the people that had ministered to him. What would it be like for you to fill a page? Who are the first followers that I love and that I wanna dance like, that I wanna be like? You're not crazy. Finally, the world needs you to be a first follower. It's pretty simple, but your friends, your neighbors, your coworkers really need to see you dance. If people were in front of you that gave you the courage to join in and that you saw them and they led your gaze to Jesus so that you met Jesus, there are people in your life whom you might be in their life to be a first follower for. I had the privilege of watching a friend, dear friend, go from a complete atheist with no church background to becoming baptized in a follower of Christ and I kinda saw the whole thing. And he came to faith by basically hanging out with me and my group of Christian friends. And the process of his conversion was essentially this. I like these guys. These guys are Christians. Wow, they're not crazy. I thought all Christians were crazy. That's interesting. Maybe Jesus isn't crazy. I'm interested in Jesus. I want to follow Jesus. Can I be baptized? It was that simple, that beautiful. Maybe this is where you're at this morning, if you're here, if you're watching, and you wouldn't call yourself a Christian, a Jesus follower. There's a lot of reasons to be cautious, and maybe you even feel yourself torn in between people in your life who are dancing, people in your life who aren't dancing, all the mixed messages. That's a really tough place to be, and we all live in that place. But if you have someone in your life who is bearing beautiful fruit, and who's a Jesus follower, the Bible would say, consider the outcome of their way of life. Let that lead you to ask deeper questions about Jesus. The point is not the saints, the point is John's finger points us to Jesus. So let that person in your life lead you to Christ. So on this All Saints Feast Day, we do not only rejoice in the saints who have gone before us, even though we certainly do, courageously, lovingly, sacrificially, we are also humbled by the fact that Christ has called us to be saints and to join in the dance before the world. And to that end, we're gonna do something a little bit different uh, this morning, and we're gonna have a testimony from a dear sister follower of Christ, Katie Preston. We're receiving our first batch of members this morning, and one of the practices we wanna do is every time we receive members, we wanna hear a testimony. Um, and so because of all the dancing themes, I've actually asked Katie to just do an interpretive dance for us (laughs) about her testimony, if she could put it in dance. Just kidding, that would be terrifying. Um, So we're going to hear her. Katie has has seen people follow Jesus that led her in her life, and she is someone who's courageously following the Lord, so we're super excited to hear from her. So let me pray, and then we're going to hear Katie, and then all of us Uh, who have been baptized are going to renew our baptismal vows and our baptismal covenant. So would you pray with me? Oh, Heavenly Father, Lord, give us that ministry of the communion of the saints. Thank you that we are never born again into nothing. We are born with sisters and brothers and spiritual mothers and fathers and spiritual grandmothers and grandfathers in the faith. Lord, we thank you for the great cloud of witnesses. Help us to lay aside everything that clings to us and to look to you who also endured the founder and perfecter of our faith. Amen.